Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We'll be looking at the latter half of Genesis 30 as Jacob is on his journey of faith and gets to deal with a confrontation with Uncle Laban. When there was a dialogue between Uncle Laban and Jacob, do you remember? Uncle Laban said, oh, you're a fine young man. Too bad you're broke. But you're a fine young man. You've been here for 30 days. Things are getting a little long. So, hey, let's talk. Name your wages, boy. And Jacob said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Did I speak that clearly? Seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Recorded in scripture. That was the dialogue. But what did Uncle Laban do? Snuck in the older daughter. Apparently, the wage thing is not always something you can count on with Uncle Laban, right? So when Jacob hears this, you know, maybe Jacob's got a little gray hair now. He's he's learned some stuff about his uncle. You know, you have some people tell you some things, and how seriously I take a person really depends on their integrity. If somebody's burned me a hundred times and I can't depend on their word anymore, I'm going to take what they say with a grain of salt. Amen? But if someone is a man or a woman of their word, then I'm going to take seriously their words, and I'll say this to you. Let me ask you, what kind of person do you want to be? A person who, when your yes is yes, people say his yes is yes, and your no is no? Or is it an iffy kind of situation when you speak? Well, for Jacob, he was a conniver and a manipulator, but God was changing him and even using Uncle Laban to change him because he could see himself in Laban. I don't know what kind of work God's doing in your life tonight. I don't know what kind of people he's got around you. We hear Christians say, sometimes God puts difficult people in your life to stretch you. And you're like, did you know that you're the difficult person? (laughs) (laughs) What? No, I'm just the one that gives you these pearls of wisdom. I find you difficult right now. Don't tell me that. God puts difficult people in your life to make you better. You're like, well, then why don't you come work over there? Right? But you know, I have to confess, I think there's something to this. Some years ago, we were having, uh, we were at a church in Orange and we were having an outdoor potluck, and there was this couple that would come to the church, and it would be 95 degrees outside, and they would both come with, they'd have, you know, those little uh, pullover jackets on, and they would zip them up all the way to their nose. They're very strange people. In fact, we thought maybe they were from another planet because they rarely spoke, and then when they did, it, it was something weird. So <laughs> anyway, so I'm sitting with my buddies at the potluck. It's very inconvenient when the Lord speaks to you at the potluck. And something like this, go over. They're sitting all alone. Go over and sit with those people. I'm like, no, that was a potato. No, a potato salad was sitting out too long. <laughs> Can't be you, Lord. Go over and sit with a. All right. <laughs> Say to the people at your table, anybody hear that? Anybody else getting that same message? No, apparently this is for you, Michael. And I went over. And I have to tell you, it was awkward, but then they both zipped down their jackets and they spoke normally. It was amazing. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What are you doing? Hey, it was a normal conversation. So sometimes we just got to break through <laughs> some of these fears. 
no, I didn't think that was a good opening line to ask them why they zipped it up to their nose, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that we ever even got there, but. Name your wages. Come on, boy, tell, tell me. Well, let, let's enter into a negotiation. <laughs> James, like, no, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with how past negotiations worked out with you, Uncle Laban. Maybe another application point tonight. Don't let the Labans in your life manipulate you. Don't let the Labans in your life manipulate you. How many of you have run into Uncle Laban too many times to count, and he's given you the same pitch over and over again, and somehow you think it's going to be different on the 300th time? Okay, Uncle Laban, do you really, 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 really mean it this time? Oh, yes. You can trust me, boy. Name your wages. <laughs> wow. Now, Labans are not always people. Sometimes they're things that we do. Sometimes they're sins that so easily entangle us, things that we go to again and again. And we get a promise, you know, uh, it'll be different this time. You'll, you'll be fine. Go ahead and name your price. No. There's nothing that's worth that. And so Laban's main concerns, of course, were his own selfishness. And Jacob knew that in his heart of hearts. And let's pick it up at verse 29. But he said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and you and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came, verse 30. And it has increased, literally it's teamed to a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? Laban, everything I do is it's going into your pocket. But Jacob does say, I believe the Lord has done this. I believe you're blessed because the Lord has blessed me. And that's why the blessings come. And this shows you some growth in Jacob. And Jacob's saying, now, look, I want to provide for my own house now. I, I'm tired of lying in your pockets. I'm tired of believing your stories. I want to make my own way. And there's a time to make a break, folks. There's a time to decide that you're going to stop feeding the Labans in your life and you're going to start doing what God's called you to do in the promised land. Amen? It's not easy, but this is what God calls us to do. And Jacob says, look, I've, I've, been, I've been diligent and that's good, but now it's time to build my own house. Now maybe Jacob might say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So he, that is Laban, said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. I'm not sure if you got earwax, Uncle Laban. Are we failing to communicate? If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. You're like, oh no, don't do a checkup. He's pulled you into the negotiation again. Laban wasn't giving up. One writer says, Sly Laban knew that he owed Jacob nothing because Jacob already had received two wives given in exchange for 14 years of labor. We also found out about the animals. Obviously, if Jacob wanted even a penny more for travel expenses, he would have to indenture himself to more labor. Nice, close quote. In other words, Uncle Laban knew that the moment that they had a negotiation, he technically didn't owe Jacob anything. And all he was trying to do is to get him into another contract. And Uncle Laban's contracts were long. I know when he served seven years for Rachel, the Bible says it seemed like but a few days, but it was still seven years. 
I heard a pastor preaching on this subject and he says, he was saying, yeah, when the first negotiations went on, it was still seven years and he said, you can't con a con man. Even if you are a con man, one con man can't con another con man. Con peach? Or no, that. So Jacob was like tired of hitting his head against this same wall. It's hard to break free from bondage, isn't it? It's hard to get things to loosen their grip on us. And so we also, this is Galatians 4.3, also we, while we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And now we cry out to him, Abba, Father. So Jacob makes a proposal. Here it is, this is verse 32. He says, let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats and such shall be my wages. So my honesty, 33, will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. And Laban said, good, good, good boy. Let it be according to your word. And you're like, wait a minute. What just happened there? Basically, Jacob just made a negotiation for very rare animals that come along just every so often. They're a very small percentage of the flock. You say, why would he do that? Such a deal indeed, you might say. Here's one writer, he says, normally shepherds contracted to shepherd for 10 to 20% of the flock as payment as well as a percentage of the wool and milk products. But this was extraordinarily generous and apparently stupid. Most sheep are all white and all goats are, are all one dark color, black or brown. Mottled and striped sheep and goats are comparatively rare. Incredibly, Jacob offered to remove the few multicolored sheep from Laban's flock as his compensation and then shepherd the plain-colored animals for Laban. When they bred, the common plain-colored would remain Laban's and the rare variegated Jacob's. From every angle, it was a deal for Laban. There were no loopholes. He could not lose. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said, verse 34. Likely, when he got out of Jacob's sight, he began to smile, then chuckle, and then roar with laughter. He tried not to look smug, but he could not help it. He inwardly snared at that fool Jacob. He had to be thinking, I got him again. I got him again. This is walking away. Yeah. Stupid boy. So many mouths to feed, so little brain cells. You know, this is how this guy thought. And imagine this, he's got 11 grand, 12 grandchildren, including Dinah, that he should be concerned get fed well, but that's not what Laban's about. What caused Jacob to make this deal? The only possible answer, says Boyce, is his faith that God was going to bless him in spite of the cards not being stacked in his favor. He had been around animals for a long time and he knew that solid colored parents do give birth to some speckled or spotted offspring. He would not be asking God for a miracle, but he would be depending on God to alter the percentages if he was to prosper, close quote. And there was more of a problem because Laban wasn't done being tricky. Look at verse 35. 
So he, Laban, removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep and gave them into the care of his sons. And the next verse says that he put them a distance of three days journey. It's pretty tough when you've made your negotiation on the smaller part of the flock and then your uncle takes them too. Man, this guy was tricky. Oh, it's a good deal. It's a great day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he goes over and he takes away Jacob's small portion. Some of you are in that position. You know, you feel like you've given and given and given and given and then the little that you keep for yourself, they want to take that too. And you're like, Lord, is there any? Are you watching this stuff happen? Do you see what I'm going through here? I think we could rename Uncle Laban to Uncle Scrooge. And he put a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. So um, the care of his sons, he gave his sons uh, these rare ones and put the three days journey and there's Jacob. Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Do you think he noticed? Let's see, uh, I think I saw three or four speckled ones around and the other day and nope, 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 nope. What is going on here? <laughs> Ever had one of those moments? Uncle Laban, <laughs> right? He's done it again. <laughs> what do you do in situations like that when it seems like Someone's robbing you, coming and going. How do you think he felt? How do you think he dealt with it? How do you? Look at verse 37. Jacob took some fresh rods or sticks of poplar. So Jacob sprung into action and almond and plain trees and peeled white strips in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, or it means to hollow out, or perhaps a channel or watering box, even in the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink, 38, and they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods of the sticks, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Now, some of you might say, what in the world is going on here? Well, there was some folklore back in the day, and apparently it's still around in some superstitions, that if someone was around something that they visibly saw in kind of a prenatal situation before a birth, then maybe that could impact the way the birth came out. And uh, this isn't scientific necessarily, but this is something that it's possible that uh, Jacob uh, believed this kind of thing. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. But one writer says, superstitious folklore allowed that a vivid sight during mate, mating would mark the outcome of the pregnancy. Here in the story of uh, Jacob's manipulation of sticks peeled to imitate strips, was intended to visually influence the plain animals to variegation. You could call this visual prenatal influence, that is, that hopefully the outcome would be in his favor. But Jacob was not wholly superstitious in the process because his selective breeding was eminently reasonable. Now let's take a look, look at verse 40. Jacob separated the lambs, 40, and made the flocks face toward the striped, and all the black in the flock of Laban, and he put his own herds apart, did not put them with Laban's flock. Moreover, it came about whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, that Jacob would place the rods in the sight of the flock in the gutters so that they might mate by the rods or the sticks. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. 
He goes on to say, indeed, there may be a scientific basis for Jacob's success. The esteemed commentator Nahum Sarna cites an article in the Jewish Encyclopedia that argues that more vigorous of the flock, the more vigorous of the flock in contrast to the feebler, were single color hybrids. The hybrids are characterized by what is called heterosis or hybrid vigor. Therefore, by careful observation as to which animals are more energetic, the breeder can determine which single colored animals carry recessive genes for spottedness. Sarna goes on, goes so far as to suggest that Jacob may have gone through that elaborate procedure of arranging the peeled sticks as to disguise his empirical technique. Jacob's peeled rods were similar to Rachel's mandrakes. The mandrakes did not produce fertility, and neither did Jacob's sticks. The scriptures are explicit that God opened Rachel's womb, and they're explicit that God is the one who blessed the livestock of Jacob. And so you say, well, what's the point, Pastor Michael? The point is to start peeling some sticks. You say, what? Here's what I mean. Sometimes when things are going wrong in our lives, we sit around and we mope and do nothing. And then we do something like this. We say, well, I know as a Christian I'm supposed to pray, and you are supposed to pray, and we should pray, but there is such a thing as a combination of prayer and action. Pray and peel some sticks. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Charles Stanley used to say that God does not steer a parked car. The Nehemiah principle is to pray and to act. Pray and gather information. Jacob did something. Whether anything that he did really mattered in the end, God saw that it was an act of faith, and maybe that's really the lesson here. Maybe Jacob's activity was more than anything else simply an act of faith. God, I believe you're gonna bless me, but I'm still gonna be active, and I'm still gonna do something. Now, we don't wanna get the cart before the horse and say that just by our doing something, that means that that's gotta move God. No, God moves, but I think he does honor our faith and activity, amen? And if we sit around and we say, I know that I saw that commercial, uh, that guy, he shows up at people's doors with big checks for the rest of your life. I'm gonna pray, right? Look, you can pray about that, I guess. <laughs> if you win, all we want is 10%. So, you know, talk about <laughs> But look, I think that's what Jacob is doing. I think Jacob is being active and saying, Lord, he's done it again, but I believe that you're greater than all that uh, Laban thinks that he's able to do to me here. Um, take a look at chapter 31. Look at verse 1. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, 31.1, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all this wealth. And Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent, sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field. And said to them, 31.5, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that I've served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times. However, would you note it, Bible students, God did not allow him to hurt me. Some of you need to mark that tonight. Because you have a Laban in your life, or maybe multiple Labans, and you have been mistreated, 
And you're wondering what's the outcome going to be? Well, Jacob says, God didn't allow him to hurt me. Maybe stretch me, but not hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Man, I was hitting gold every time I pulled the lever. It was awesome. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. Do you see what Jacob says? God did this. God was the one behind it. Even when your father tried to manipulate everything, and it came about at the time when the flock were mating. And here we get a little more, bit more insight into why Jacob did what he did, that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream and behold the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Just in case you wondered, Jacob, I see what he's doing to you. And I have been on a ladder. Do you remember the ladder called Jacob's Ladder? Do you remember that angels were ascending and descending on that ladder? And later in Genesis 32, we will find that angels go and meet Jacob. And this whole time, even when you didn't see it, heaven was working on your behalf. Praise God. 20 years, folks. That's a long time. And I'm sure on those hot summer days and those cold, frosty nights, Jacob was probably going like this, shaking a little bit, going, oh, God, I don't know where you are. It would be nice to see an angel right now. Maybe he could keep me warm. And look, that didn't mean that Jacob didn't have to go through his junk and stuff. But it did mean that God knew exactly what was going on and God was faithful. And I want you to see in verse 43 as we end chapter 30 for tonight, the man that is Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous. He had large flocks of female and male servants and camels and donkeys. The ESV says this man increased greatly. Are you willing to entrust everything to God? Are you willing to take a leap of faith even if it looks like you're getting the small end of the deal and trust God? That's what Jacob did. And Jacob, you know, I told you there's a type of the exodus here and and Jacob is about to leave the clutches of Uncle Laban. God's been working on his behalf. One writer says, what we have here in Jacob's life is a mini preview of redemptive history because Jacob's exile in Mesopotamia is a microcosm of what would happen in macrocosm to Israel in the later exile to Egypt. Just as Jacob's family multiplied in his exile, so the tribes of Israel would multiply to a vast multitude by the time of the exodus from Egypt. Just as Jacob would so prosper in his exile that Laban felt himself to be plundered, so also Israel would plunder the Egyptians and leave with basically all their stuff. Just like Jacob left Uncle Laban, so Israel would leave Egypt with all these uh, magnificent treasures. Right now we are in an exile, my brothers and sisters. We're in a world that Jesus says, you know, we're to be in the world but not, what, of the world. We're, we're aliens and strangers passing through and we're heading to a promised land and what God wants us to be is free and preparing for that day when we meet him. And the, the ultimate exile that we were in was sin. 
and Jesus Christ came to be our deliverer. And all of these uh, pictures and images, they all tell a story of redemption history. They all tell a story about people who were once enslaved and now free, and that's what we are in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean life's always gonna be easy. It doesn't mean you're not gonna have your Uncle Laban's, but it means that you are gonna find a God who's precious and faithful to the end, amen? This is Living Truth Radio, and we have the privilege of coming over this station to you, but um, the privilege does have a cost, and we just wanna take a moment to let you know that we want to thank you for praying for us and partnering with us on Living Truth Radio. There's a way that you can give to this radio broadcast. We do have some wonderful open doors, but we do need you to partner with us in prayer and in giving. If you can give to the ongoing radio ministry of Living Truth, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, when Oscar and I walk into this studio and we have Cameron doing recording for us, none of us get paid to do radio. We're doing it because it's a passion if you can partner with us, we'd appreciate it. Here's how you can help us out. You can go to livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the Donate tab. You'll see a picture of Pastor Michael there. Make sure that when you go to the PayPal account, you indicate that your gift is for radio ministry. If you'd like to send a gift, you can send it to livingtruth1009, Arsenal Way. Think of the armor of God. Corona, California, 92880. Again, that is Living Truth, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. If you have any needs that we can help you with, you can always give us a call. The office is open on the West Coast here in Southern California, Tuesday through Friday from 9 to about 5 in the afternoon. Our number is 951 735 56. You can find out all that information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona by going to our website. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. We have a lot of things for kids. We have childcare, Sunday school classes that run concurrent with the services. And you can find out all those details one more time at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Cameron Thomas, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org. Or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, Learn more about our church in Corona or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.